I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, James Vickers. You can find us on Twitter at EPL Index, and you can find my personal Twitter at underscore James Vickers. Uh, I'm a Preston North End fan, and I also write for a Preston North End fan blog, which is at Deepdale Digest. Hi, I'm Andy Buckley-Taylor. You can find me on Twitter at BookTaylor64, and you can also find my blog on the Derbyshire Times group of newspapers. Hi everyone, my name is Thomas Boff and I'm the editor of wallsblog.com which unsurprisingly is a fan site dedicated to Wolverhampton Wanderers and you can find me on Twitter at wallsblog. Yeah, cheers for joining me today guys. Um, obviously there's a bit to cover today, first game back after the international break so obviously everyone was eager to go come yesterday. Uh, we'll start with you this week Andy, obviously great win for Derby on, on Friday night against Hull. Um, not many people would have seen that scoreline coming. Um, so how's that been and how was sort of the international break for you? Well, we went into, into the international break um, after being pumped 3-1 at Sheffield United and uh, one of the uh, worst performances we'd seen in many, many months. So uh, to turn that around um, against Hull City uh, was fantastic. I expected a very tough, tight game. Hull City's got some very good players. But to be quite honest, um, we didn't let Hull uh, create too much when they had the possession. They marginally had the greater possession. But it's what we did when we were off the ball. We hassled and harangued them. We had some great, um, you know, great long passes downfield. Not hoovering it as well. You know, proper picked out passes. The team clicked. And we were taking our chances. Uh, Matty Vidra had a brace, as did Bradley Johnson. Good to see him uh, back on form. And uh, obviously, uh, the the one that the Hull City fans would have noticed, that Curtis Davis uh, scoring against them after joining from them to us in the summer. Uh, but what was also noticeable is the impact that Tom Lawrence made. It was uh, his first start since uh, we bought him off Leicester City. And if he plays anything like this for the whole season, Tom Ince is going to be forgotten quickly. Overall, I was very, very pleased with the performance. I think every single player uh, played their part on Friday night. And uh, hopefully uh, it'll lift the uh, doom and gloom merchants. Yeah, it was obviously quite a good win for your whole uh, won 4-0 last time out against Bolton just before the international break. So they were certainly in obviously good form going into the game. You mentioned that you had the disappointing result at, at Bramall Lane against Sheffield United. Is that a performance that has sort of been coming or did it, it take many fans sort of by surprise? 
Well, you see, the thing is, <coughs> excuse me, at Sheffield United, we made things hard for ourselves because we, we had an error by uh, Scott Carson. He kicked the ball out, which Billy Sharp had immediately latched onto and pumped in. Then we had an own goal by Johnny Russell. So, you know, the game was uh, barely halfway through the first half when we'd, we'd already given ourselves a mountain to climb. And their third goal came, uh, was after we pulled the goal back. We were piling everybody forward in an effort just to snatch a draw. And obviously they scored on the breakaway. Um, there's been, it's been a little frustrating to start with. But at the end of the day, this is Gary Rowett. He hasn't had many games in charge. He's got to get his players play into the roles in which he wants them and obviously bring in players that he needs, uh, get rid of surplus players. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've said it will take three transfer windows before he creates the team that plays the uh, brand of football that he likes. But uh, it, was, it was a good one to, you know, lift us after the disappointment of uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, the same question to you now, Thomas. Um, obviously, you had a, a good win against Millwall yesterday at home. Um, sort of same question as opposed to Andy. How uh, how was the international break for you? Um, and how did you sort of see the game yesterday? Uh, yeah, international break, not not bad. We had a lot of players away because obviously we've recruited a uh, an continental army of players over the summer. So they're all jetting off to different you know, exotic destinations, but they all came back unscathed. So um, it just felt it was quiet, really. Um, yeah, and, and, and getting back into the game yesterday, we played played very well. We dominated possession, uh, passed, passed, passed them off the park for, you know, most of the game. Just couldn't get the second goal. So inevitably became a bit sort of, you know, uh, nervous in the final minutes when they started launching balls forward and getting knocked down. So you're thinking, well, if this game slips away, I'll be pretty disappointed. But um, but overall, yeah, played very well, scored a very good goal um, from a very good player. And um, yeah, we look solid. I feel like we're going to have a really good level of consistency in our performance this season. I don't feel like we're going to have one game where we play a certain way and another game it's very different, which is happens to be quite, you know, a problem for a lot of championship teams. Uh, I think, like um, Andy was saying about Derby, you know, you can one game to the next, it, it can seem very different. But I think with with Wolves this season, they're going to set their stall out, play this passing game, and it's either going to work or it's not. Yeah, obviously you touched on it there. You've you've signed quite a lot of players, especially over the last sort of two, three transfer windows. Are they sort of finally starting to click now? Because obviously you had a fairly disappointing season last year considering sort of your standards um is, is the signs that they are starting to click now and that you can mount a real sort of promotion push this season yeah i think so i mean i think last season i mean the 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 in and out of players at molyneux has been nothing short of ridiculous since the start of last season you know we i think they panicked the owners came in quite late in the summer they panicked bought they bought like 12 13 players in last summer uh, we had an army of a squad last year. We had like 35 players in the squad, which was ridiculous. Um, so we knew this summer they had a big job on their hands. They had to get rid of a lot of players. And getting rid of players was as important as bringing in players. So, yeah, I mean, they've brought in another 10, 11 players, but then they've also managed to offload, got to be 15, 20 players. So we've actually got the squad down to a manageable size. So that that's helped. And then also added to that, the pedigree of the players we've been bringing in 
has actually gone up a, a significant level this summer. I mean, Diogo Jota, who, who's come in from on loan from Atletico Madrid, uh, he looks a very good player. Willy Bolly from Porto, Ruben Neves from Porto. These are players who were playing for these top teams. You know, they're not there, not necessarily their reserves. Okay, they're perhaps not regulars, but they're not their reserves by any stretch. So to get them in the championship is, is a coup. And then the coach, Nuno Santo Espirito, has, um, he's decided he's going to play this three-at-the-back system, which a lot of managers are, you know, had success with, Conte being a, you know, a good example of that in the Premier League. And, um, yeah, we, he's got the players well-drilled in this system. We know our best 11. We know the three or four players who can come in and out. So, yeah, it's all hunky-dory at the moment, just hoping they can keep keep going. Yeah, I think definitely come the end of the season with the way you started and that consistency, as you mentioned, I think you will be sort of up there or thereabouts come the end of the season. Um, so, obviously, it'll be one to watch over sort of how the season pans out for Wolves. Um, but moving on to Preston, it was quite a disappointing game, really, uh, yesterday. Last season, a point at home to Barnsley, you know, I would have been sort of quite content with that. But the way we've started this season, especially the game just before the international break at Middlesbrough, granted, we drew nil-nil with them. But we sort of on, on the day against them were by far and away the better team. And if you asked sort of a neutral who didn't watch football, you'd probably sort of get the answer off them that Preston were a team that had spent sort of 30 million um, sort of plus in the summer. But going into the Barnsley game, obviously confidence was high after the good start. We hadn't conceded from open play, which sort of ended yesterday, had to end at some point. Um, and it was sort of the most disappointing thing about yesterday, really. Obviously, we get a point at home, so it's not the end of the world. But over sort of the last two or three years, one of the reasons we've done sort of so well being back up in the championship is that sort of resiliency and and able to grind out games. Yesterday, we scored after about 23 minutes. Uh, straight away, let Barnsley back into it. And I think a minute, two minutes later, they, they equalised. And it's not really something that you sort of have come to associate with Preston. We are normally quite a resilient, sort of dogged team that, you know, can get that 1-0 and, and sort of grind that out. So I think hopefully yesterday was just a blip. Um, there's sort of signs now, as I've, I've mentioned in previous weeks, that the forwards are starting to click. Sean Maguire got his first league goal yesterday, which is brilliant for him. And uh, I've got no doubt that he'll, he'll score a handful this season. Same with Jordan Hugill, who obviously didn't sell him on deadline day, even though we handed in a transfer request. That sort of seems to be forgotten now. The fans didn't really sort of berate him yesterday. Uh, just let him get on with it, which, you know, is, is what you've got to do when you've got a sort of a lad as, as good as he is for us. Um, not the most technically gifted player in the world, but what he gives you in the way of that aerial presence and doing sort of the real ugly work up front uh, is sort of invaluable for us, especially this season, if we do want to sort of push on and amount of promotion push or playoff push. Um, so keeping hold of him was massive. And he played well yesterday. Him and Maguire starting to, to look good linking up together. Uh, Tom Barcusen as well coming off the left, uh, looked fantastic. It's just a shame that he's the only one in our squad at the moment who looks to be able to sort of cross the ball with any sort of direction and and sort of put it into a danger area, really. So disappointing to only come away with a draw. Um, sort of don't like going back to sort of the cliche of we need to be beating teams like such and such. You know, every, every game in the championship's hard, but... If, if we do want to push on and sort of aim for the playoffs this season, we need to be winning as many home games as possible. So disappointed, not the end of the world. Um, 
we've got a game in midweek against Cardiff, which we'll, we'll sort of touch on later. Um, so if we can get sort of a win there, four points from those two games will be will be brilliant. And especially at this stage of the season where it's all so tight, you know, it'll really sort of rocket us back up to sort of that fifth or sixth position where we were before yesterday's game. Um, so sort of moving on now, we've we've sort of all touched on it a little bit. Uh, we'll start with you on this, Andy. Uh, just wanted to ask you how your summer's been in terms of recruitment um, and players leaving the club. Are you sort of pleased with how it's gone or was there sort of a position or, you know, something like that that you would have liked to have strengthened? Um, yeah, the floor's yours. Uh, well, uh, I would, I would like to have seen a, a beefy midfielder brought in, which were... We failed to do. Well, I don't know if you heard about the uh, fiasco on deadline day. Michael uh, Keftenbeld uh, of Birmingham was joining us, but he'd, he'd signed the paperwork wrong. And by the time he corrected the paperwork, we missed the deadline by two minutes. Other than that, I mean, our, our, our business has been pretty good. The players that the fans were, you know, didn't want to see go, but did go, Tom Mintz, and Will Hughes, obviously, they want to uh, uh, attain the, the ambitions they had when they started in the game of playing at the highest level. Cyrus Christie at £2.5 million sale for Middlesbrough, I think was a very, very good deal for Derby. And then there's the players we've let go. Uh, Kamara went out on a free. Uh, Craig Bryson, sad to see him go, has been our best player over the last five or six years. Um, he's gone out on loan to Cardiff. Butterfield, I'm not too sorry to see go, has gone to Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, Nick Blackman, and then two or three of the the uh, young um, players from the uh, under-18 side have gone out on loan for a bit of experience. But the players we've brought in, Tom Huddleston at two million, Curtis Davis at half a million, uh, Andre Wisdom at two million, and then Tom Lawrence was the uh, major signing, just under five million, rising to seven, with Sam Winnell coming in on loan from Sheffield Wednesday. And, and when we get George Form back, that'll be like a new signing. I think a, a rough estimate is where I, I see the team is a, a little bit stronger than it was in the summer, but we're about in pocket by about ten million pounds. So I think uh, Gary Rowett's worked the. Uh, the window quite well, not perfect, but uh, I don't think we can grumble too much. Yeah, sort of looking in from the outside, I'm not sure obviously how they've settled, but it seems you've obviously replaced losing uh, Will Hughes and Tom Ince, as you said. You've replaced them with sort of real championship experience, which especially if you are sort of aiming to get promoted, that is sort of invaluable, really. It was similar to how Newcastle last season, they didn't go and spend an awful lot um, sort of on sort of big name signings. They brought players who knew the division um, and that proved invaluable for them come the end of the season. Is that sort of how you see it? You've you've sort of brought in that good experience, like you mentioned, um, Curtis Davis at the back for half a million's a fantastic bit of business, especially with the market the way it is. Well, I mean... I think basically, apart from replacing those that's gone out, Tom Lawrence could easily um, be capable of stepping into Tom Ince's shoes. Um, Tom Huddleston is a master of the long pass. Now, we know that Gary Rowe, he likes to get the ball forward quickly, but without the old, you know, hoove it and hope. Um, that's that's uh, a piece in the jigsaw. But he's, he's also brought in an extra striker, 
I mean, David Nugent's been starting with Matty Vidra behind him. And then he's got Chris Martin. Now, if Nugent or Martin get injured, you know, being left with one number nine striker uh, could cause problems. And I think Sam Winnell is, is a, a clever little signing because uh, I've been watching a few clips of him playing for Barnsley in Sheffield Wednesday. And he's very dominant in the air, scores quite a lot of goals with his head. And, and Derby, statistically, the most dominant team in the air in the division. So, you know, it, it, well, that hasn't been a perfect window, but uh, it could have been a lot worse. And I think for his first transfer window, Gary Rower, he's, he's done some tidy little deals there. Yeah, the same question to you, Thomas. Obviously, you've brought in these lads from, from the Portuguese league. Have they settled and would there be anything sort of that you would have changed about your window? Um, well, I think the one the one gripe that most of the supporters have got is that we didn't bring in another striker. Um, we started the pre-season with about four or five strikers on the books and most of the fans were saying that the majority of them weren't good enough and lo and behold, most of them were sold. We sold Bodvarsson to Reading, Dicko went to Hull, uh, Mason's gone on loan to Burton. You know, we, we offloaded these players and all of a sudden we were expecting strikers to come in we had we brought in one striker Leo Bonatini um, but we haven't brought anyone else in so on transfer deadline day there was this expectation that a striker was going to come in a big name a Jordan Road someone of that ilk or uh, or someone else from the George Mendes stable but it didn't happen so that we were I think that was the, the disappointment and we've we're threadbare for centre forwards but then again we don't really rely on uh, a centre forward we play with two well, three attackers and two sort of, you know, what you call sort of tricky number 10s tucked in behind. So I don't think we're, we're in too much trouble, but the, the composition of the squad looks really good. We've got two players for every position. And to answer your question, the, the players we've brought in, uh, you know, from Portugal, they've all settled because we've got a Portuguese coach. He's got a Portuguese team working with him and we've got primarily Portuguese players. So it's, it's a good place for those guys to come and get a taste of English football. And um, we're playing in a very continental way, passing, getting the ball down and playing it. Quick, incisive passes, you know, what, what's not to like. So, um, so yeah, so I think that the business, you know, we're not shopping in the same market as a lot of championship teams because Mendez's our connections with him are, are opening doors for us and we're getting players that perhaps other teams in the championship would, would not be able to get. Uh, Ruben Neves has been a classic example of that. So. So yeah, I mean, we we can't we can't complain about the window. I think some of the surprises the players we've let go. I mean, you talked about championship experience, and we've let go all our championship experience really. I mean, Dave Edwards, big player for us, got ten goals last couple of seasons in the championship. Let him go to Reading, uh, you know, and and there were others too. I mean, Jordan Graham's a very good player, uh, winker, but he couldn't get a game for Wolves, so we've, we've loaned him out to Fulham, which you know a promotion rival probably. So. There's been some questionable decisions on where we've allowed players to leave um, and allowing them to go to other top teams in the championship. But but in terms of incoming business and the general shape of the squad, I don't, I don't think we've got any complaints at all. Yeah, sort of moving on to Preston with with this topic, it's it's been sort of difficult for us. Obviously, we lost Grayson in the summer, having uh, I think he'd made three signings already when he left. So Alex Neal's come in sort of the three incoming players weren't his players but to be fair to, to two out of three of them they've slotted in well Kevin O'Connor um, 
find it a bit difficult, but you know, it's going to take time for him to adjust coming over from the League of Ireland where their season is sort of structured different. So he's coming off the back of a, a full season almost. So, you know, playing a bit of reserve football, getting his match fitness back, a bit of a rest uh, should do him good and won't sort of cast any judgment on this, on him until he's given sort of, you know, a decent break and slowly introduced. Um, Sean Maguire, the other one that we brought in from Cork, has been fantastic so far. Um, looks an absolute steal. Uh, I've paid a nominal fee for him. Um, can't have been any more than sort of 100,000, which is nothing in, in today's market. And he looks a real live wire. Um, sort of from clips that, that people have shown of him, he, he scores all type of goals. He isn't the tallest, but got a, sort of got on the end of a cross and scored a header yesterday um, and then on his debut in pre-season picked up the ball on the halfway line and took on about three or four Burnley players in a uh, pre-season game and, and slotted the ball home so looks a real steal um, sort of the signing that's impressed me the most um, and I didn't think I'd say it considering the reaction from Rotherham fans when we signed him is, is Darnell Fisher um, talking to my mate Dean about this on Twitter um, the other day and He's he's come in, took a lot of stick from Rotherham fans last season, and particularly uh, when we announced that we'd signed him, um, which I think's unfair to the lad. And sort of straight away, Preston fans seeing these tweets from Rotherham fans, you know, getting there, uh, sort of getting on the lad's back straight away when he's not even kicked a ball for us. But to be fair, he's he's probably I'll, I'll go on a limb and say been our best player so far this season he's he's really impressed he's been the most consistent player on the pitch in all the games that he's played so far and if he can keep this consistency up sort of particularly till january i think there'll be plenty of clubs sniffing around for him um sort of these days it's, it's rare to get a right back who is as good at defending as he is sort of nowadays they tend to be sort of almost second wingers sort of right and left backs so it makes a nice change to have someone who is solid at the back and is still capable of getting forward um the only thing i would have liked potentially as another center mid um i think one of the reasons that we struggled a bit yesterday was our center midfield pairing uh, daniel johnson and ben pearson both missed a game um through picking up injuries over sort of the course of this week in training um johnson should be back for the next game um but i think pearson it's looking like he's going to be out sort of three or four weeks sort of even some people are saying he needs an operation and he's going to be out eight so Alex Neal had highlighted that, that he would have liked another midfielder. Um, he highlighted that a good week and a half, two weeks before the transfer window shut and it was never addressed. So I think he's only got himself to blame, really. So that'd be my only sort of gripe at the moment about how our window went. Obviously, the big thing for us was, as I mentioned, keeping older Jordan Hugill. Uh, I think that's a real sort of statement of intent for us. We could have accepted, I think bids came in about eight or nine million for him, which for us is massive money. Um our most expensive signing ever is still David Healy, who we paid a million pound for, sort of going back about 10, 15 years now, um, which sort of is a bit staggering, really, considering sort of how much money is floating around football nowadays. Um, but it's also welcome as well that we're not just prepared to, you know, splash the cash on sort of any players. Um, we're sort of doing it the right way, um, sort of bringing in young, hungry players from Premier League teams and, and sort of from the League of Ireland, that kind of thing. And it seems to be working well for us. So, you know, as, as the saying goes, if it's not broke, don't fix it. It's working for us. So, you know, carry on. Yeah, as I mentioned, though, the only gripe, that lack of centre midfielder. And I think if Pearson is out, 
sort of for a consider considerable time, especially with the sort of the Tuesday night games sort of starting to roll around as well now. Um, it's going to be a big miss for us, and I think he's probably our sort of best player when he's on song. So time will tell if it is just a couple of weeks or if he's going to be out a month or two. Um, but moving on now, sort of staying on the, the the transfer sort of discussion, I just wanted to ask you quickly, both of you, who, apart from our own teams, who you think has recruited the best in the summer um, and which team you think has sort of recruited the worst, so in terms of spending the most money and not bringing in players that have really sort of clicked so far. Um, start with you first on this one, Thomas. Is there sort of a team in particular, sort of good or bad, that you, you would like to comment on? Um. <clears throat> Well, good. I think you've got to look at what uh, Cardiff have done because obviously they've. You look at the league; they're top. They what Warnock's done since he's been in there. Uh, he's turned that team around, and they they bought very astutely in the summer, in my opinion. Uh, the lad Nathan Nathaniel Mendes Lang used to play for Wolves. Spent some years in the lower league. Um, looks very good for them. I mean, Cardiff came and beat Wolves at Molyneux. And he looked outstanding in that game. Um, and then they've got Lee Tomlin, who's a, quite a useful player. Uh, they signed Ward, I think, the lad from Rotherham, the striker. And he got a goal for them yesterday. So I think they've added to what was a decent championship squad that Neil Warnock obviously felt had a good chance. And he, I think he said at the end of last season that if they could add you know, three or four players that he thought they'd have a really good chance. And it seems to have played out that way. Uh, they haven't spent a lot of money, but he's obviously been given entrusted with a little bit. And I think that the players they've added, and I think Bryson is a very good signing from Derby. You know, as as has been alluded to, he's been a very consistent, good player, well respected championship player for a long time. I was surprised Derby let him go, but I think that's strengthened Cardiff's hand again. So, so I think you, you can't look past them. I mean, they're they're undefeated, so they have been the teams, the league's outstanding team. So, so definitely them strongest. Um, I think weakest, I would probably, looking down the table, have to say, well, it's a toss-up, between coin toss between Sunderland and Villa. Uh, but I think I'd just about give it to Villa because I think, again, they, they I obviously I'm from the West Midlands. When I'm coming home from the, the Wolves match, there's a, there's a local phone in and a lot of Villa fans were calling in. And a lot of them, several of them said they felt they had the best squad in the league which I, you know, I, I'm not 100% I agree with, but I can see why they might think that on paper. And I think the players they've brought in, I think the problem Steve Bruce has got there is he's brought in a lot of players and I don't think he really has any idea about his best team, the style he wants to play. And I think I, I'm not sure there's any cohesion to those signings. So I think, you know, in terms of pounds and value, I'm struggling to see that Villa are getting value in the money they've spent in the players they've brought in. You know, Terry... I, I thought that might be a decent signing for him just because of the wealth of experience he brings. But he doesn't seem like he's made them any more, you know, st- any sturdy at the back. Um, and some of the lads that brought him further forward haven't really stepped up and done much. So, so yeah, so I'd probably say Villa the worst and, uh, yeah, Cardiff the best. Yeah, same question to you, Andy. Who do you think sort of strengthened wisely in the summer and who's sort of had a real shocker over the transfer window? Well, I'd agree with Cardiff probably being the best. Uh, there, Neil Warnock, again, is a manager who signs players that he can see will play a certain role in the way in which he wants to see the football to be played on the pitch. But I won't go too much over Cardiff, as, as they've already been mentioned. I think Wolves have done pretty well. 
they've gambled, they've spent a lot of money, they've brought in uh, a lot of international players. Neves and Yota look very, very good signings indeed. And like I predicted before, they're going to be there or thereabouts. Um, also, a, a couple of a couple that might have gone under the radar is a, a couple of players who are, are in the veteran stages of the career. Our rivals, Forrest, uh, spent a couple of million on Daryl Murphy. And, uh, you know, all the jokes aside about them buying a player in his mid-30s, he'll be good for a dozen to 15 goals for them this season. Ipswich Town as well, Mick McCarthy, Martin Waghorn. I, I always wondered what happened to Martin Waghorn. He was a player that Derby were linked with a few years ago in every transfer window. He seemed to, I think he slipped down the divisions and was playing at Coventry City at one time. He was playing in the uh, Scottish League last season. All of a sudden, a million pound move to Ipswich and uh, he seems to have done for them in, in the early games as Adfilan. So, you know, <laughs> maybe uh, that's uh, one of the most astute signings of the windows by any manager, one of the uh, forgotten men of the championship. As for terrible windows, I'd agree on the Aston Villa. All, you know, last season, a lot of uh, good, a lot of the top-rated players in the championship, Aston Villa were in there first signing them up but I, I, what I think is wrong Steve Bruce although he hasn't um, had to work from tight first strings before he hasn't had this open checkbook you know Aston Villa parachute money they can sign any championship uh, player they wish to and uh, you know sure, sure enough uh, a big name has come along. Aston Villa's been in there, signed them. Hasn't done them any good. They they had an appalling season last season, to be honest, with the uh, money, the backing they've got. They signed John Terry this season. And uh, everybody thought, well, that's going to tighten things up at the back. But yet again, they're struggling. And who could slip into that bracket? Birmingham City. Now, they spent a lot, you know, you're sure wherever Harry Redknapp's going to go that the checkbook's going to be out on a regular basis and we're talking big fees. Um, they just signed Yotta in this transfer window from Brentford. He is an exciting, one of the best players in the uh, championship. £6 million fee, I believe. I bet his wages are, are, are quite high as well. So taking a bit of a gamble there. And I'd suggest that uh, Harry and Steve Bruce I've really got to start getting the results going together sooner rather than later. Not going to pick too much on Sunderland because Simon Grayson hasn't really um, splashed out on big money signings. He's, he's, he's brought some players in that uh, are known to be able to perform at this level without breaking the bank. James Vaughan will do them a job provided he can stay fit. Um, but... They're going to have a season of consolidation, I feel, anyway. But anyway, that's my thoughts. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You've both hit the nail on that in terms of uh, sort of the teams I was going to go for. I think Sunderland in particular would have expected them to spend a bit more money. Um, but I think, obviously, as you mentioned, Andy, what Grayson's doing is, is sort of consolidating their position really this season, stopping the rocks. It's always tricky coming from losing week in, week out, trying to sort of solidify yourself in the division where the standard is quite high nowadays. So he's brought players in that he trusts and, and knows will do a job. Um, obviously, I think their fans would have liked to have seen them sort of spend a bit more and sort of have a go and trying to get back first time, um, especially with their rivals, Newcastle sort of doing it last season uh, and been back up in the Premier League now. So, I think they've not had as such a disappointing window, but I think from their fans' perspective, but you can see why Grayson has done it. Um, I think Villa as well, as you mentioned, you know, brought in sort of a lot of players for sort of big money fees again. And same as last season, I think they're going to struggle this year and will probably finish around mid-table. I think the team sort of that hasn't been mentioned yet, who's arguably done sort of one of the best pieces of business sort of over the summer in terms of recruitment is uh, Leeds United sort of just having a look through players that they've signed. They've managed to get Pontus Janssen sort of impermanently now, which I think is massive for them. He was, he was fantastic for them last season. And one of the reasons why I think they came so close to the playoffs uh, and then sort of looking down as well, they've, they've brought in uh, players like Lusaga from Hertha Berlin uh, in, in Germany He'll do a, a job for them this season, and as he he scored on his debut yesterday, and I think he'll get them sort of double figures of goals easily. Um, and then with sort of the players that they've brought in on loan as well, you know they've brought in sort of young Premier League players who are sort of looking to make a name for themselves, really. So people like Buffett Jackson from United and Matthew Pennington from Everton will uh, sort of provide them with good youth and good cover there, and I think they'll both be hungry to sort of prove to their parent clubs that they deserve a chance when they come back to them next season. Um, I think we had a fairly decent window um, in terms of of keeping older players. And I think sort of another team that are in the same bracket as Preston for that is Fulham. I think they, speaking to Russ, who's on this podcast, really showed a statement of intent, keeping older Tom Kearney and, and Ryan Sessegnon and getting Ryan Sessegnon on that new deal. Uh, I think that's... You know, there's always the temptation there to to cash in on them, um, especially young players. You know, one sort of serious injury, something like that, um, or you never know how they're going to perform in sort of their second season. So, real statement of, of intent, keeping hold of them, and I think they'll be sort of up there this season. They had a good um, point against Cardiff yesterday. I'm looking not to hold on for the win. 
And I think with the players that they've brought in as well, um, they should be, you know, definitely up there. Um, just moving on now to sort of a quick sort of topic. Um, it's it's been covered a bit more in in European football, especially in Germany and Italy, um, sort of so far this season. And, and I think it's only a matter of time before it does make its way across to England. And that's um, sort of the VAR action replays for the referee. Um, sort of watching sort of quite a bit of Bundesliga as I do. It's it's worked fairly well so far. It doesn't disrupt the game sort of as as I thought it would do. You know, when you hear sort of the talk of it without actually seeing it in action. Um, I just wanted to get your two thoughts on it. Obviously, there's an argument sort of on both sides about how it will make the game fairer, but then there's also the argument for it will become sort of a bit too stop-start, almost like NFL that kind of thing. So I just wanted to get your opinions on it. Um, start with you first on this, Andy. What what's your opinion on VAR? Well, it works in NFL because NFL is stop-start. You know, it's uh, each play only lasts for a few seconds before the ball's dead. But uh, I think what we've got to look at, there's got to be guidelines about when it's used. You know, you, you can't be using it for every other decision because the, the, the game would, um, it, it, it would take two hours to complete. But, but there are certain scenarios um, if a, when a referee's in doubt of uh, penalties or free kick situations and that. But what I don't want to see is the natural flow of the game interrupted. To go to a video ref, because um, often if, if you get that sort of situation where they stop the game, they go to the VAR, a team could be disadvantaged by it, you know. But uh, technology, I'm all for using technology into assisting the referees. Uh, they take a, they take a lot of stick, um, sometimes rightly, sometimes wrongly. But uh, uh, there are situations where I, I think it would be very useful. But uh, I think before we adopted over here, the guidelines, you know, they, they have to be in clear black and white. I mean, you'll get Neil Warnock arguing about if it was a situation the VAR um, should have been used. But uh, you say it, 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 it's working quite well in the Bundesliga, so uh, you know, let's give it a whirl. But let's let's set the strict guidelines before we introduce it. I don't know a lot about it, being completely honest. Uh, I haven't seen its implementation, but I think the, the general rule for me would be if it doesn't, if it's well implemented and it doesn't overly affect the game, then I'm all for it because why wouldn't you be? You know, we, we, we want to see the right decisions. We want to see games played in the right spirit. So I don't see any any drawback to it. And I think obviously the, the aim that they'll, you know, the ultimate objective will be to implement it into the game without it really disrupting it but i think also we have to be open to the fact that the game has to evolve and change you know that it doesn't just stay the same and i'm i'm i understand the purist view of oh we don't want we don't want to have pauses in the play we don't want to do this don't want to do that but that's not you know change doesn't necessarily mean it will be worse you know i think it i think you give everything a try and these things tend to be phased in over time so so why not this i mean my two gripes in football, well, my big one is time wasting. I think they should completely change the way uh, that football matches are timed. I think they should just time the ball in play and play for less time because it just does my nutting seeing players wander over to the other side of the pitch 
when they know they're about to be substituted, players going down injured when they're not injured, asking for the trainer, just to slow the game down. I mean, Cardiff did it to us, did an absolute number on us when they came to Molyneux. Players going down off the ball every time we were building up some momentum. Uh, you know, that kind of thing, That that's the thing that really irritates me. But I think what the VAR is in, you know, for decisions, penalty decisions, um, offsides, things like that, I, I mean, I'm all for it. I don't, I don't see it being a, a bad thing. And I'm sure by the time it actually gets into the game, it will be up to a decent standard. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty supportive of it. Yeah, just sort of finishing off on it, it, sort of the case in point, I think this almost sort of sold it to me really, um, sort of watching it in the Bundesliga, especially so far this season. They don't seem to use it, you know, for every decision. It tends to only be for, you know, major decisions. And I think it's at the referee's discretion if he wants to use it. So you don't get a situation, say, for example, like cricket, where each team are just sort of reviewing sort of every decision sort of for the sake of it almost or if they're, you know, trying to contest the decision surrounding the referee. Um, so the the one instance of it yesterday was in the, the Dortmund-Freiburg game. Um, there was a really sort of bad stamp on the back of Dortmund's left-back's ankle and ended up breaking his ankle. And at the time, the referee had only given it as a yellow card and a free kick. Um, as as he saw Schmelzer, the, the left-back sort of down and, and in considerable pain with the stretcher coming on, he while the game obviously was was taking a break for the injury, went over, checked it, took him about five seconds to check it and reversed his decision and sort of took away the yellow card and brandished the red card. So I think in situations like that, it's definitely helpful. Um, I think as well, you know, in terms of sort of penalties, that kind of thing, was there contact or if it's sort of not too clear to see if it's, you know, sort of on the edge of the box or in the box, I think those kind of things, it was definitely the advantage there for it um just as long as as we've mentioned it, it's not used sort of every other second and and it sort of takes away from obviously like the speed of the game and we don't want it, it breaking up and, and pausing for long periods for for teams reviewing every decision um so i think if they can sort of get it down to a t like that i think it'll be a really good addition um same way that goal line technology's come in obviously everyone thought at the time when that first got implemented that the referee would have to run off and check a tv screen but you know the technology's come on that he literally gets a buzz on his his watch now so you know it's it's there to be sort of improved on obviously it's still in its sort of early stages at the moment so i think as you've mentioned by the time it does come over it'll be a lot sort of more polished and, and it can only benefit the game really if it's going to sort of improve on sort of decision-making and, and get into the right decision, especially nowadays where there's so much money at stake in football, you know, one decision can sort of subsequently cost you, you know, a promotion or a relegation. So I think it, it'll be welcome when it comes. I think there will be people who sort of reject it, who want football to stay the way it is, but, you know, things are always evolving and sort of after a couple of games, they'll stop moaning and it, it just becomes part and parcel of the game then. Um, but sort of moving on now to, um, we've got sort of another set of midweek games coming up. So I just wanted uh, each year to just give us a preview really of, of, you know, the games in midweek. We'll start with you on this one, Thomas. You're at home to Bristol City this week. Do you expect Wolves to carry on sort of the home form and, and pick up another point here? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'd back us again. I'd back us in most home games. Uh, based on what I've seen so far, I think we've got. I think the manager will do some rotating with the squad. Uh, hopefully, not too much because I'm not a fan of more than two or three changes. 
in every game. But um, but yeah, Bristol City are a bit of an unknown quantity. I think they've done some decent recruitment over the summer, kept hold of a few players who look like they might leave. Some of their big name players, Flint at the back, and um, some of the some of the other lads. And um, yeah, I think I, I think it's a tough game. It normally, is with Bristol City. We normally have some good games with them. Uh, but we've got a very strong record against them at Molyneux. They don't, they don't get many points. Uh, just one of those teams who seem to really um, not do very well when they come and visit us. So I'm hoping that continues. Uh, it'd be really nice to get another three points, stay in touch with the top two. Um, and yeah, so I feel I feel good about it, really. I mean, there's no reason not to. All our players are fit. Uh, teams playing well, generally. I'd like to see us be a bit more clinical. I hope if we have as much of the ball as we did against... Millwall that we we do more with it and create more clear chances, but um, but other than that, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. and I, I think we'll do well. Yeah, moving on to you, Andy. Obviously, it's a bit of a weird one for you. I was having a look at Championship fixtures as I was as I was planning this and thought I was going mad and and couldn't spot Derby, but then I've realised that you were. Uh, You've actually got your League Cup game um, away at Barnsley. I think your first round game was was postponed, so I think you're playing catch up on the rounds now. So, how do you see that going? And and would you like a cup run this year in that? Yeah, well, we the the first game we had against Grimsby in the last round was abandoned uh, when we were leading one nil, and we subsequently won the restaging one nil. Um, normally, uh, I don't I, I don't really get too serious about the League Cup unless we've reached the latter stages like a few years ago when we reached the semi-final um, there, there, is, there is a motive of wanting to win this game on Tuesday because obviously if we win we're going to have a trip to Wembley because uh, we've, got, we've drawn Spurs away uh, should we uh, successfully come through against Barnsley um, I'm hoping we will uh, win on Tuesday night. It'd be great to take the sun to Wembley again. Uh, but who knows? Because in, in these sort of fixtures, they, they do tend to um, see managers rest certain players and give other less experienced players a run out. I'd expect Derby will make a couple of changes in defence, changing goalkeeper and maybe in, uh, a couple in the attack. Um, but I, I, I would like us to win this. It's hard to predict. Um, sometimes we play well against Barnsley. Other times they've been a, a thorn in our side. They gave us a good spanking last season when we visited there. Um, I think it'll be a tight game. It'll be one by the odd goal, and hopefully that will be us. And, uh, you know, achieve a little trip to Wembley. Yeah, and, and sort of just covering Preston, we've got quite a tricky home game against Cardiff. Um, obviously, no game's easy in the championship, but Cardiff have really started the season well. So by no means is it going to be an easy game and it will probably be one of our harder games that we have this season at home. I think, had you asked me at the start of the week, I would have liked to have taken four points from from these two home games. Um, obviously, the, the draw against Barnsley's potentially sort of stopped that. I think if we if we can go back to sort of that resiliency that I was talking about earlier on, um, we tended last season and I sort of it was weird going to games felt more confident against the the so-called bigger teams in the division because it it suited the way we played to be to be resilient and then sort of hit them on the break with the speed that we have up up top. Um, 
I think if sort of offered to me now, I would take a point because I think it'll be, you know, a good point. Cardiff have only um, sort of dropped the two points this season, which was that draw at Fulham. I think sort of the one factor that could potentially play into our favour is we've had two home games. Cardiff have travelled down to London, obviously, then they're going back to Wales and then they've got to travel right up to uh, the northwest. So potentially the travel there um, for them could play a part, but I think it will be a difficult game. And as I said, if if you were to ask me, I'd take a draw quite happily. Um, I think for us, really, over these next couple of weeks until we get our sort of two midfielders back, it's just about sort of grinding out results. We've got some tricky games coming up. Um, teams like Sunderland and Birmingham away. So if we can, you know, a couple of wins here and there, a couple of points, it'll stand us in good stead for when we do start to get players back. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd happily take a draw, but you know, not too confident with the way we played yesterday. Um, but with that, we're out of time. Um, cheers for joining me today, guys. Um, if you want to tell people where they can find you and, and your Twitter handles and anything that you're involved in, now would be a good time. Uh, Andy Buckley Taylor representing Derby County on the podcast on Twitter at BuckTaylor64. And my blog is on the Derbyshire Times group of newspapers. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, guys, as always. Uh, yeah, if you want to speak anything about Wolves, uh, you can get me at wolvesblog.com is the uh, blog address. Then just twitter.com forward slash wolvesblog at wolvesblog or facebook.com forward slash wolvesblog. And that's, uh, that's, that's me. Yeah, and as I mentioned at the start, I'm at underscore James Vickers on Twitter. I'm the Preston North End fan on the podcast. Um, I write for a Preston North End fan blog, which is at Deepdale Digest, where we do weekly opposition overviews and player ratings and match reviews. So definitely check that out. Um, Cheers for joining me today, guys, as I mentioned, and we'll see you next time. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.